Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. It may feel like we've still got it's coming home ringing in our ears and those faded and tattered St. George's flags are still hanging from a few windows throughout the country. But unbelievably... The Premier League season kicks off in just four days. Managers are making their final tactical decisions ahead of opening fixtures. Chairmen are frantically drawing up and redrawing their transfer targets. And Steve Bruce is probably pursuing the selection of pastries at the hotel buffet before heading into training for the first time. You know him so well. <laughs> Whatever it is your club is up to, then Football Social Daily has got you covered for the season ahead. I'm Jim Salverson on the podcast today. Niall McCorn, hello Niall. Good morning everyone. And Marley Anderson as well. You're right, Marley. Good morning. Yes, not bad. Probably done Steve Bruce a bit of a disturbice there, Doubt considering it. the transfer news that has broken over the last 24 hours about Newcastle. We'll cover that off shortly as well, along with a load of the other speculation and rumours doing the round in the window, including potentially a replacement for Danny Ings as he departs Southampton to replace part of Jack Grealish's qualities at Aston Villa. That Jack Grealish transfer from Aston Villa to Manchester City seems to have kicked the window into gear a little bit. We're also going to be chatting about the attacking prowess of the favourites for the Premier League title race this year, who is likely to be in amongst the goals over the next few months. And we're going to start by looking at the traditional season opener that happened this weekend. The community charity, call it what you want because nobody's really that interested in it, Shield. Leicester City picking up the first silverware of the season, courtesy of a late Kalichi Iniacho penalty. So Community Shield boys... I think people don't really class it as a genuine piece of silverware unless you win it. But there was a surprising amount of anger from some Man City fans after losing it at the weekend, particularly on social media. So what did we make of the game in itself? I don't want to go too into too much detail as to the events of the match because I think probably it was on Saturday. If you're that interested in what happened in the match, you probably watched the game itself or the highlights by now. But... Now, a couple of days on, if we look back at the game, is that proof, Marley, that match, that Manchester City desperately need a striker of some kind? Probably, yeah. The thing, it's, it's just that question, isn't it? How are they going to cope this season if they don't get someone? I mean, they, they probably will, as we're talking about. They're probably in talks with Kane on the sly right now. But it's, <laughs> yeah, every time they don't win a game, you're going to say, oh, mm. could they need a striker? Like, Jesus has been at the Olympics I think, you know, he's going to probably miss two or three weeks of the season. So they are going to have to do this false nine thing and, you know, playing without a striker. Some, if if other teams did that, they'd be saying that's a lack of recruitment. You should have had a plan. You should have signed someone. So when Man City don't quite find the answers, it's always going to be that question that's going to ring on and on and on. And if they don't get Kane this summer, they're going to have to reinvent themselves again to go through another nine months with only one striker um, and playing twice a week most weeks. So... It's always going to be the question that, that sort of haunts them this season, but I think their level of play on Saturday was all right, really, um, considering their, the players that weren't playing. You know, Edison mm. wasn't there and um, 
there was a few kids, um, Idozi and, and players like that, who probably never get a bloody game this season, will they? So, you know, it's always funny like that. You never know whether they're, they're going to step straight up or, like Foden, for example, just never looked like... I think when Foden made his debut, it was like he'd been, been playing for them for like 10 years. He was mad. But they can't all be like that. So you're always going to like have that little bit of... Like chemistry is going to be a little bit lower. And Leicester just underrated it still as, as to how good they are. I think Leicester are one of the most organised, well-disciplined, tactically best teams in the league, probably. Because they can play three or four different ways. You don't know what to prepare for. And if one thing isn't working, they'll switch halfway through the game and you'll have a fresh set of problems to uh, to introduce and, and sort of sort, sort out. So, yeah, it's, um, I'm glad they won it, to be fair, Leicester. I, I, want, I want to see Leicester pick up as many trophies as they can because I, I feel like their time isn't going to be massively long because City are just going to get better and better and everyone around them is going to spend more and ultimately they'll probably get dragged down a little bit. But I like to see them uh, win when they can. Certainly meant more to Leicester City than it would have done to Manchester City picking up yeah. just another piece of silverware. Marley mentioned some of the young talent on display in that game, Niall. There was Ndozi, as he said, Stefan and Gold, Palmer, Ben Knight came on later on. Do you think we're ever going to see these guys again? Because there is a pressure on Premier League clubs to perform week in, week out. And because of that pressure, it makes it really difficult to blood these youngsters. Manchester City fans were very proud of their academy last season. So the EDS, or the Elite Development Squad, I think won their league last season, the Under-23 League. And then the Under-18s beat Manchester United to their league as well. So actually, across the board, you've got Man City men winning the Premier League. You've got the under-23s winning their division and the under-18s winning their division. Mm. So the signs are good for Manchester City. And on an academy level, there's no doubt they've put the money in. Over in Eastlands, the development they've had there with the academy having their own stadium, their own building. I mean, the CFA is a, is a great venue for young people to learn and play their football. I guess so, the question is, what's the intention of those buildings? Is the intention to create players that come into the first team or is the intention I to think, create revenue to then go and spend 100 million quid on a... 26-year-old midfielder. <laughs> I think it has to be the plan down the line at some point for Manchester City. And the reason I say that is because, you know, as much money as Manchester City do have, it isn't sustainable um, to keep going out and spending £100 million on, on the next Jack Grealish right. every single season. And I think the chairman, Khaldun Mubarak, said that when you're on top, that's when you really got to strengthen. And I think that they've shown this season that that is what they're prepared to do by breaking the British transfer record, spending £100 million on Grealish, but for every Grealish that they buy, they need someone like Foden to come through because, as Marley says, he's come through, uh, taken to life in the first team at City like a duck to water, got into the England squad, now looks like one of the best young midfielders in Europe, let alone the Premier mm. League. And they've, you know, they've developed him as a lad from Stockport who's come in as a City fan uh, and he's kind of been a, basically a free asset to them. And if they can continue to develop players and bring in assets like that, the likes of Edozi, the likes of Cole Palmer. Liam Delap is another one who didn't play in the Community Shield, but I think has gone on loan to Stoke City. But he's a, a really exciting striker coming through, scored loads of goals for that EDS team last season. I think if they can continue to develop those young players, that has to be part of the plan strategically moving forward for Manchester City. Because if they can keep finding these players through the academy, it means they'd have to keep spending the money. And certainly, if they do end up selling them on, and I know their plan is world domination at Man City, but mm. we've seen it even with the top Premier League clubs that there is always going to be interest from those other huge heavyweights across Europe. I think the plan is if they can bring those players in, they become assets in their own right and it saves the club <laughs> a few quid. And I know saving money isn't Manchester City's end goal, but I think it's one of the best things as a football fan to see a young lad who's watched the team in the stands as a kid to come through and then wear the colours of the team you support. They're almost living your dream mm. for you. And I think that that always has an extra connection with fans when you have someone like a Foden who's come through the academy and representing the club. So I definitely think it's a plan for the future for City. I think it means a lot for Manchester City as well as they get further and further away from what the club used to be and turn into this multi-million pound entity to have a connection with the city and a connection with the fans is hugely important mm. for them as a club. Marley's already given his view on this kinder, so I'll stay with you, Niall. Do you think we can learn much from that game, from the fact that Leicester City picked up their first silverware of the season? Did either team look particularly ready? Ultimately, it's a glorified friendly. So can yeah. we take much from it in terms of how either team is going to look going forward this season, particularly with the changes that City had? And Leicester had a few as well. Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth there. It is effectively an extended pre-season friendly, isn't it? With a, a little bit more on the line, you get to lift a trophy at, at the end of it. 
I think Marley's right with from a Manchester City perspective. A few England internationals weren't playing. They've still got players to come back from the Olympics. Um, the Copper America's obviously been on, so we've not seen too many of the South American players feature in pre-season yet for any of the Premier League sides. So I certainly think that there is more to come from Manchester City. And if you think back to the first game of last season in the Premier League, it was Leicester against Man City and Leicester won 5-2, scored three penalties and everyone was saying, well, what's happened to City this year? You know, and let's not forget, Man City were 10th up until Christmas mm. and then they just absolutely exploded, went on this mad run and ended up winning the league actually quite easily. So I think with Manchester City, you have to be really careful. If they start a season slow, I do think that they do have that capability to put runs together with players coming back in as well. I do think you've always got to be wary about them. But that being said, I think the Premier League is stronger this season. I think Chelsea is stronger, United are stronger, Liverpool will come back again. So I do think that maybe there is less margin for error in terms of making a slow start. But I don't think you can read too much into it from both teams' perspective. I thought what was quite interesting from a Leicester point of view, though, in terms of team news, is obviously Wesley Fofana broke his ankle mm. last week. And that's a huge loss to them. They're only He's only 20, but he just looks so accomplished on the ball and I was there that night actually that he broke his leg at the King Power Stadium and the collective concern not just for his welfare and we wish him all the best but also what are we going to do from a Leicester perspective in terms of who do we put in at centre-back they've got a, a fellow called Benkovic who I don't think Brendan Rodgers fancies at all Johnny Evans is still injured so really it's just Soyuncu and another and with the chancellor window ticking down are they going to go into the market and pick up a free agent? You know, someone. They like, don't tend to panic by Leicester City. No, do they, they don't, and they, they you'd think they would have had a plan for this, but you can't plan for no. someone like Fafana breaking his leg in an in a tackle like that in pre-season. You just can't legislate for that. So with Evans injured, Fafana injured, Benkovic not really relied upon by Brendan Rodgers. It seems like they played Wilfred and Didi in the back line against Manchester City, and I really like Didi as a midfield player. I think he's excellent. Actually, could he do a job for the first few weeks of the season mm. whilst Johnny Evans gets back fit again? Or are Leicester going to go into the transfer market? So in terms of like a starting eleven and what Leicester have got in terms of their defensive capabilities, I think that's one to keep an eye on as well. Because as Marley says, tactically and you know with systems and all the rest of it, they're very well drilled. Brendan Rodgers, we've said many times on the show, I think is an underrated manager. So it's just about how he gets the best out of his team with a few depletions in the ranks, but a great thing for him to pick up silverware and a bit of confidence going into the new season. Obviously, for this game, Marley, all eyes were on Jack Grealish, the new boy at Manchester City, a £100 million signing. He ended up playing, I think, 25 minutes at the end of the game or something along those lines. Didn't really contribute a huge amount, but I guess would you have really expected him to contribute a huge amount with a complete lack of training with yeah, his team? Yeah, for £100 million, yeah. <laughs> need a hat-trick on yeah. your 25-minute debut. So I think it's unfair to draw down too much into his performance, mm. but in terms of his reception... He was booed by a fair, well, actually, it probably was a minority of the Leicester City fans. It just sounded like it was a majority of the Leicester City fans. Is yeah. this what he can expect now for the season? And why is he suddenly the bad guy? Is uh, it because of the transfer? And in which case, does that make sense? Or is it, I mean, it's more maybe realistic to expect him to be booed for some of his on pitch antics and, and the way he draws fouls. But yeah, the way is, he gets kicked every is this, time. Yeah, is, <laughs> is this his lot for the season now, just getting booed through games? Uh, I hope not, because he's done he's done nothing wrong. The way I see it, he's, he's made Aston Villa £100 million by signing that contract last mm. season and making sure they could sell him for a premium, because that's what that's what you do. You say, I don't want to leave, but if, if I am going to leave, you're getting paid out of it. That's what Wilfred Zaha was hoping to do, but nobody wants to buy him from Crystal Palace uh, by signing that daft deal, and then he's, you know, he's, it's all gone... Straight back in his face, I suppose now. But um, yeah, when when they started booing, I just thought, what? Why are you booing? Like Leicester have got nothing against Aston Villa. Mm. I know it's like almost Midlands ish, but not really. It's not their derby, though, no, is it? <laughs> not at all. Um, Do you think it's because fans have been away for so long? Just booing anything. <laughs> that, do you know what I mean? Should, yeah. The opposite should be true. They should Maybe. be so happy to be there. Yeah, I yeah. suppose so. But I mean, I just mean like people, it might have just been a bit of a laugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't see it going all the way through the season. And if it is, it's incredibly small time from every club that boos him mm. to, to say, oh, well, you know, well, we can't afford 100 million. So we're going to boo your 100 million pound players. Because if every team had 100 million to spend on one player, every team would do it. But yeah. Not. Not everyone has. Do you reckon Villa fans are booing when he goes back there? I wouldn't have thought so. He's given that if, club a lot. I think a few will, but 
that is just I don't think they should though yeah I don't think they should as you say you've made the club 100 million quid he's given he could have left the beginning of last season couldn't he as well and they've signed four was it four players now they've signed with that money already Mm. Ings uh, Wendia uh, the guy from Dortmund whose name I forget. Oh, yeah. Leon uh, Bailey. Bailey from Leverkusen. From Leverkusen. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, three players, four players, probably maybe even Ward Prowse coming in as well, who's mm. England international and all the rest. So yeah, but football fans aren't the brightest, are they? So they'll be like, <laughs> don't like your headband, you little whatever word I can't say on the podcast. I'll put a beep in there <laughs> for dramatic effect. <laughs> It's the minority who take the booing seriously, isn't it? And there's a there's different proportion of the crowd. Some people do it, as you say, for a bit of a laugh, and it's like, oh, boo. Yeah. But then you've got the portion of the crowd who take that with real vitriol and yeah. do it as a proper attack on Jack Grealish. But at the end of the day, I think professional footballers are, it, not that it excuses the action, but are generally used to it. It yeah, doesn't affect performance now. It does make me laugh when people talk about like classy gestures and oh, I have a bit of respect. It's like, it's just a few lads who have had 15 pints <laughs> booing in the stands. Come on, it's not that big a deal, mm. surely. We're going to talk more about City in a minute because we're going to talk about the attacking options available to the big six, inverted commas, team that's in the Premier League this coming season and who might be scoring the goals. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're going to talk about the big six and their front lines now ahead of the new season kicking off this weekend. Who has got the firepower to potentially grab that Premier League title? Now, I said I was going to talk about the big six and then struggle to work out who the big six were now in the Premier League. So I've gone for, for the sake of argument, and we can cover off a couple of the other teams a little bit later if need be. Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leicester, Spurs. So they're the teams I've gone for. Arsenal aren't even close. <laughs> Incidentally, I was waiting for a sly West Ham that you might oh, have tried no. to crowbar in there. Realistic. I mean, we, we, haven't, we haven't got. We've only got a front one. I couldn't possibly yeah. pick a front three for West Ham. Um, so looking at their team, you, you could pick Brady, Sullivan, and uh, what do you call him? Gold. <laughs> in terms of the attacking options that those six teams have now. Obviously, this depends on a few things. It depends on the formation that each team plays. I don't necessarily all play a front three. So I've included some midfielders into this lot as well. So it's debatable whether I've picked the right three from each team. But if you're looking at the three most offensive and most talented trios from each club, for Manchester City, I've got Jesus, Grealish, De Bruyne, assuming they're going to play some kind of striker. United, Jadon Sancho, Cavani, Fernandez, Chelsea, classing Rashford as being out for the start of the season which is why I've left him out of those front three Chelsea, Werner, Mount Havertz, obviously potentially we've got Lukaku coming into that three as well Liverpool, Mane, Salah, Firmino Leicester City, Vardy, Dakar and Madison who knows how they're going to organise their team next season as well and Spurs at the moment, Harry Kane, Son and Mora so if you're looking at those... Spurs, Hyung, Min and Son. <laughs> that's, all, that's all they might have in a few weeks. If you're looking at those six teams, who would be your pick of an attacking trio? Marley, you can go first on this. Um, do you know what? Off, off those names, like, I know, like, because Man City have got still work to do. Like, obviously, if City signed Kane, then it's City all day, but... Mm. I think I'm looking at Man United and thinking if that goes well, that could be really, like, really impressive. Fernandez, obviously, with his his playmaking and his penalties. Um, <laughs> then Sancho, who we know can be world class, um, and then Cavani's sort of know how and just sort of experience of knitting them all together. I think he's really, if he can stay fit for a season, he's he's easily going to get twenty goals, I reckon, in all competitions. But um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at that thinking that's. That you're scared of that as a mm. as a opposition, and then you, when Rashford gets fit, he's coming back into it. Yeah, you've got Greenwood Daniel well. James's pace. You've got Greenwood. Yeah, we didn't mean Martial. <laughs> Martial, who's yeah, if he fancies it, he can be decent. If if not, he's just a passenger. But yeah, um, I'm looking at Man United, thinking if that gels well, and they can keep the rest of the team sort of solid. Um, you know, if if they sign Varane, for example, and and he comes in and and does well, then uh, I'm looking at them thinking they can close that gap on City. But if City then go and sign Kane, then all bets are off and you, you're fighting for second, I reckon. If you're looking at depth, Niall, then Chelsea have to be up there. I've picked Werner, Mount and Havertz as their potential front three, but that's not even to mention 
Christian Pulisic and Ziyech as well that they've got potentially coming into that lineup. Hudson Odoi back, although I don't think he's necessarily mm. going to feature much of the first team. They've got a wealth of attacking options. Yeah, I think similarly to Manchester United, where we mentioned the, you know, the attacking players that they've got. I think the only difference with Manchester United is Sancho's new to the league. I've no doubt he's going to adapt. Mm. Cavani, as Marley says, is a little bit older. Um, so, you know, is he going to stay fit for the whole season? Whereas you look at, you know, the likes of De Bruyne and Grealish and possibly Kane, I'd, I'd have to agree. You know, if Kane goes there, then that's pretty much, you can draw a line under this conversation. For Chelsea, though, Romelu Lukaku looks like he could be on his way back to Stamford Bridge. Mm. Um, allegedly, a deal has been agreed between Chelsea and Inter Milan to bring him back. They had him for four years, didn't really give him a game, sent him out on loan to West Brom and to Everton, where he scored loads of goals there. Couldn't get into the Chelsea team ahead of Drogba. Couldn't get into the Chelsea team ahead of Diego Costa back then. And uh, has since gone on to be, you know, as a Premier League centurion. He scored more than 100 goals in the Premier League. And I don't think a single one of them was for Chelsea. So, you know, if, if you look at that Chelsea forward line, the likes of Pulisic, Mount, Hudson-Odoi, Havertz, Werner. I think we're waiting to see more, particularly from those two German lads, Havertz and Werner. I think Werner had a, a decent season last season in terms of getting into the right areas. He just couldn't finish. Yeah. He just couldn't finish. Couldn't stay on side either. Couldn't stay on side. And they're things that he'll learn. And I think now with a full pre-season under Thomas Tuchel, I think Chelsea will be a frightening prospect again next season. But with Lukaku as well, I think that that adds another dimension to them going forward. So certainly with their attacking options, there is depth there, Jim. I'd, I'd agree with you. But again, I think it's the consistency. I think that when you look at someone like Manchester United, I think Mason Greenwood is now showing how he's becoming more and more consistent. But then on the other hand, you've got someone like Martial who isn't. Mm. And then I think the same thing you can say with Chelsea, where you have players like Mason Mount, who is exceptionally consistent, very rarely has a bad game or an off day. But then you've got someone like Werner or Havertz, who sometimes they're great, sometimes they just don't turn up. So I think consistency is the key. But in terms of depth on paper... I think you're right. Chelsea certainly do look strong right throughout those attacking positions. Neither of us are mentioning Liverpool at this point, who have still got their trio of Mane, Salah and Firmino, and they've got Diego Jota coming into that as well, mm. who had a really strong European Championships for the period that Portugal were in the European Championships. Are they going to be as dangerous as they have been in previous seasons? Because they, they kind of dropped off the boil a little bit last year. They've still got Origi, haven't they? So, <laughs> well, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Steve McNaughton would have a few things to say about Origi, but yeah, you have to say Mo Salah's record since he came to Liverpool has been unbelievable. You know, he scores, I mean, I think was he scores 19 goals, 20 goals, mm. something last season, and in what was an off-season for him <laughs> and for Liverpool, and they still finished in the top four. So, you know, there's no doubting his quality. And I think, the way it worked when Liverpool won the league, if it, if it wasn't Salah, it was Mane. And if it wasn't Mane, Firmino would pop up with a goal. Mm. And then they added Jota to the mix. So you have to say the quality is there. Mane had a bit of an off-season last year. I think he was poor by his standards. And I think everyone was saying that there's something in his head. He might be on his way out or whatever. I think he'll be dangerous, is he? Because he's not, had, he's not had any football over the summer. So yeah. he's coming into like fully fit. I think That's Mane. a big consideration And he's got something year, to prove, yeah. yeah. He's coming in fresh. Yeah, with the Euros and the Olympics and yeah. everything like that. And Copper America all coming at once. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Firmino, I think he showed towards the end of last season after going about what felt like four seasons without a goal, ended up scoring um, as many in as many games, I think, towards the end of the campaign as Liverpool got into the top four. So I think that you have to say the fact that we aren't talking about Liverpool at the moment in that conversation, at least until now, I think probably might work in their favour mm. because it's easy to forget how dangerous they are or were. And because they had a season where they were kind of out of the spotlight last campaign, where they just about finished in the Champions League spots, everyone's kind of written them off because Chelsea won the Champions League. So everyone's like, oh, they're going to be good next year. City have won the league, won the cup and spent big money. So everyone's got, oh, City will be strong next year. Manchester United are always in the conversations just because of the club they are and with the signings that they've made. But Liverpool, it feels like we're kind of, you know, leaving them to one side. And I've seen a few predictions for the league this season that have had Liverpool down in fourth, mm. third. No one's tipping them to win the league. And they've still got good players. I mean, they've lost Aldum, and they'll need to find someone who to come in there and replace him. Um, and maybe there are a few sort of older players in the squad that, uh, might need a replacement at some point. But yeah, I don't see why Liverpool can't be up there with the attacking mm. players they've got. If we're going purely on attacking players, the consistency, like I was on about before, and the numbers, they're there for all to see. So 
yeah, definitely. I, I think it's quite dangerous of us to, to write off Liverpool. I want you both to pick a fantasy front three in a minute. So if you're looking at all the attacking players across the league, who would be your perfect front three to lead your fantasy team? Not fantasy as in fantasy football, fantasy as in just the best three players in those positions. But before we do that, Niall mentioned, Marley, there's a couple of potential transfers in the offing. £120 million pound or £140 million is the asking price, Harry Kane to Manchester City potentially, Romelu Lukaku looking closer and closer that deal, moving him from Milan back to Chelsea. Which of those two transfers has the most transformative effect on the team around them? Because they're both proven goal scorers with Premier League credentials, and they both appear to be the perfect player for each of those teams. Yeah, um, well, it makes both of them a different beast, but if you're looking at, like if if City didn't get Kane, I still think they could easily win the league. Mm. But Chelsea need goals, and they could do with strength and power up front. Because I was thinking just when you mentioned it before, if Lukaku comes to Chelsea, and they play the pace and power of Lukaku and the pace of Werner, and he's off the ball running, that's ridiculous to mm. to deal with. There's ninety minutes against them two. One of them will bat you, and one of them will just run away from you. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel for any centre backs playing against them two, but. So I think, yeah, I mean, Chelsea's top scorer last season was Jorginho with seven goals and they were all penalties. So mm. they need goals. They they need, um, which is weird to say because we just talked about the depth they've got, but almost like they spread it too thin and they need like one central guy who can, who can score 15, 20 plus goals. Um, I think that's Lukaku all day. I think he's mm. he's got 100 Premier League goals, as Niall said already, over 100. Um, he's a better player than he was, I think, before he went to Italy. I think, you know, everyone criticised his touch and, and rightly so to be fair because it was poor at Man United but mm. you know did he have the, the stomach issue that was that was kind of glossed over a little bit so maybe if he's got over that and you've got a 28 year old in his prime from Lukaku with I mean, a point to prove coming yeah, back to Chelsea yeah, I think that's well. it. not just coming back to Chelsea coming back to the Premier League because yeah. he was written yeah. off at United he, he was thrown under the bus at times at United yeah. I think but um, I think it was the right move for all parties for him to leave but this is what I've been thinking about and I, I don't know what you boys think if Kane goes to Man City, City have got one of the best strikers in the world, mm. right? Lukaku goes to Chelsea. They're sorted for a striker. I think Spurs might replace Kane with Martinez also from Inter Milan because Inter are desperate for cash. So in terms of like the clubs and the big strikers in world football, everyone's talking about Haaland this summer and where he could go, right? It looks like he's going to stay at Dortmund because they don't want to sell mm. Sancho and Haaland in the summer. United have got Cavani, who's not young, and they've got Greenwood, who we don't know whether he can play through the middle just yet. Does that just open the door for Manchester United to make a move for Haaland, do you think? Because if Chelsea have got Lukaku, City have got Kane, that's, that's, Spurs have got Martinez... Mm, that's why it's not really making sense for me. I, I, if I was looking at the market, if that clause is true, £75 million next year, a lot of clubs can afford £75 million. Mm. So, And it's a clause, so if you pay it, you've just got to agree personal terms, which is obviously... Sometimes Wages, harder yeah. than it looks like. If Newcastle rocked up with seventy five million, he'd just laugh at us. But you know, um, it, it's yeah. So I, I, if I'd be like almost not writing off this season, but say we'll go through this season without a striker and we'll get him next year. Like I'd have done that if I was City, for example. But you know, when everyone else is move, making moves, you've got to sort of like roll with it and, and go with it. Otherwise, you know, Kane's quality obviously he'll score probably forty goals a season if he goes to Man City, but. Haaland is available next year and I'm just yeah. thinking I don't want to lose him I mean, don't want to lose him to Spain we, I don't want him to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid we're all I getting really excited about Haaland for, and rightly so but he is still an unknown quantity he is still a young player oh, I don't know well, he's scoring goals in the Bundesliga which is hell of a yeah and he's step up tearing Champions League, League teams apart and stuff yeah. as well so Savalier scored goals in the Bundesliga <laughs> <laughs> I just think I just think it, it's, he's a robot of a kid like, I just honestly, think, yeah, he's mad I just thought it was really interesting you know, if everyone's spending 100 million on a striker this summer, they're not going to do it again next season for Haaland, are they? And the only team that would probably need one next summer is if Cavani is getting a little bit older. Would it be Would it be Manchester United who need a striker? I think there's a relative amount of Manchester United or a certain thinking they're quite confident of securing Haaland anyway, aren't they? Or it will be Lewandowski moves on and he'll go Bayern like all German players do. Or he'll go to PSG because Mbappe wants to move. I mean, there's so many mm. pieces in play here. I just yeah. thought it was interesting, that was all. We're going to talk about transfers very shortly. Before we do move on to that, very quickly, fantasy front three. If you're picking a three 
we haven't really talked about anyone outside the top six, but obviously there's attacking options away from these teams we've mentioned already. But if you're picking your ideal three, who would it be, Marley? Joel Linton, Jeff Hendry, (laughs) (laughs) and Callum Wilson. Um, No, uh, Kane as the striker, probably Salah as the right winger, and probably Son, you know, from from Spurs. Yeah, as a a left wing on a front three, I think he's ridiculous. And obviously, if you were talking about fantasy, his partnership with Kane, they know each other inside out. So Mm. if you were pairing them together, you'd have an advantage on everyone else. So. Yeah, probably go for them. Didn't go with Lucas Moura for the, uh, for Not the current quite. Spurs no. incumbent. No. I'm going to go Kevin De Bruyne, even though he doesn't seem to stay fit for a whole season. Mm. I think he's an unbelievable football player and will just create you something in every game. So he's going to be my sort of my creator, my playmaker. I'm going to go with Lukaku up front for all the reasons Marley said. I think that not only is he strong, but he's he's quick. He can hold defenders off. And I think De Bruyne putting balls into Lukaku who isn't the best at heading the ball, but I mean, along the ground, sort of through balls in behind, I think that that could be such a deadly combination. So De Bruyne, Lukaku, and something a little bit different because um, he's not played in the Premier League yet. Jadon Sancho, excited to see how he does for Manchester United this season. So I'm going to pick him. So that'll be my three, Sancho, Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne. Solid choices. And I think the Premier League title potentially this season could hinge on the transfer of Lukaku and maybe Kane as well. If Chelsea get Lukaku and City don't get Kane, and suddenly it's a lot more open than it was before that transfer goes through. Some other deals in the offing. We're going to talk about Aston Villa, we're going to talk about Southampton, and, shock horror, we're going to talk about a potential transfer at Newcastle United. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the final bit of today's Football Social Daily, a rumour roundup. And the transfer window has heated up a little bit. Seems to have been popped into place by the Jack Grealish transfer. The dominoes are starting to fall and there's some movement around the window at the moment. Aston Villa signing another player from Manchester United. Third time on loan for Axel Tuanzibi. Now, he's 23. He's getting to the point, Niall, where Mm. I guess at 23, you've got a question whether he's going to make it at Manchester United. So is this a defender who's playing for his club future rather than just being on loan to develop himself? I think that's definitely the point that Manchester United are trying to make here because they've signed him to a two-year contract and he's gone out on loan. So he's extended Mm. his United deal and he's gone out on loan. And I think going to a club where he knows well, familiar surroundings, had an excellent season in the championship on loan, Axel Tanzabi. I think it was the season that Villa got promoted back to the Premier League um, where they won the playoffs at Wembley. So certainly he's got experience of playing in a competitive side Aston Villa are obviously looking to to progress now without Grealish they've made some good signings but I think for Manchester United at the back with Raphael Varane still to come in um, he's he's in Manchester at the moment just obviously completing quarantine rules and visas and all the rest of it um, need to be sorted out before he can do his medical and officially become a Manchester United player but all being well with that he's going to be a first choice centre half alongside Harry Maguire Lindelof will be a backup choice. They signed Eric Bailly to a new deal last season as well. So you'd have to say that was your four. You still got Phil Jones to come back from injury. So in terms of cover, they've got plenty of options, five or six centre-halves. Axel Twanzebe, I don't think, was going to get much of a game. The thing is with Twanzebe is he's quick. He's quick across the ground and actually probably quite good at 1v1 defending rather than playing in a side that has a lot of possession and tries to dictate the ball by passing it out from the back. At least that's what from what I've noticed from when I've watched him. So he played only a couple of games last season, one of them against PSG in the Champions League group stages, and he was absolutely brilliant. You know, against Mbappe and Neymar, he was exceptional. I think it was his first game in five months, mm. and he plays against PSG, some of the best players in the world, and was brilliant. But like I said, I think that's because... You've got pacey players like Mbappe and Neymar, skillful players running at you, and it's that 1v1 defending that he was good at. But when it came to some of the other games he played in, I think he looked a little bit uh, suspect on the ball, let's just say, in terms of playing out from the back. So going back to Aston Villa, I think he'll be given more of a chance to do that 1v1 defending, get that confidence up. And I think by the end of the loan spell, Manchester United will have a clearer idea with one year left or a couple of years left on the contract, whether he'll be a first-team regular 
or whether it's time for him to move on. There's no doubt and he's a good player, but going to Villa, a club he knows well, familiar surroundings, a Premier League team for him to get regular first team Premier League experience is, I, I think, only a good thing. I think it will suit Aston Villa. But also, I think it gives Manchester United a chance to, at the end of the loan spell, assess whether he's going to stay or he's going to go. And if he is going to go, because he's got a couple of years left on the deal, United will get a nice little payday for him. So I think it works out well for all parties, to be honest. Got to assume there's some kind of option to buy in that deal as well. What do you make of Villa's transfer business this window, Marley? Because losing Jack Grealish, obviously a blow, but... The players they've brought in, Buendia from Norwich, Danny Ings from Southampton, Liam Bailey for Leverkusen, as we already talked about. We kind of forget that Ashley Young's come in from Inter Milan earlier in the window as well. James Ward-Prowse is the latest player that's linked with a move. Do you rate what they've done? I mean, as much as it's possible to mitigate the departure of a player that is as good as Jack Grealish, Mm. they seem to have gone about it quite sensibly. Yeah, definitely. There's always one team that wins the transfer window, isn't there? It's usually Everton. Even when it's not Everton. <laughs> yeah. It's still Everton. But yeah, they've been quiet this year, so it's got to go somewhere else. And I would say Villa. I think sometimes as a club, you've got to take a step backwards, take two steps forwards. I think if their signings gel, then I think they've done really well. Over the last two years, You know, Martinez coming in was an absolute steal. I don't know what Arsenal were ever doing, letting him go, because... Mm. He's younger and as good as, if not better, than Leno, um, who also maybe wants to leave as well, according to some rumours. So they signed him last year and they've built on that with with this year. Obviously, yes, Grealish is a loss, but also everyone knew that if you could stop Grealish playing for Aston Villa, if you could mark him out of the game or, or kick him out of the game, you beat Aston Villa. Like mm. I think when he was out for 12 games at the end of last season or sort of like January to, to March... He, I think they won two of 12 without him. And it was like that thing of no Grealish, no Villa. But now they've got four more, or three more options. Ings is definitely going to score goals if he stays fit. Watkins got enough goals if he isn't fit to, to sort of tide you over. Bailey's fast and energetic and got good quality from that left. He got 15 goals last season. Buendia got loads of assists when Norwich last went down. So you're looking at that and thinking there's three quality players there that are, that if they gel, Villa could be a very good team, like really good. They've got the back four, Mings and Conser are a good partnership. Cash is decent at right back. There's no, El Mohamed is left. He was an absolute disaster for for years. So it's not like you can, like if they're, you know, the backup guys are going to come in and let them down sort of thing. Target's a good mm-hmm. left back. They've got bite like in target. midfield with McGinn and Douglas Louise. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a, a very decent team and you know 100 million in the bank you've basically signed them three players I've just said for nothing because you've already paid for him so they've probably still got a little bit left over to go and sign someone else if it, if it comes up that might be James Ward-Prowse mm. so I think they've done really well uh, Aston Villa this season but now they've just got a I actually think the weakest part of their team is the manager I'm not sure about Dean Smith with 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 loads of quality, like I don't, I, will he come up with the best system? Can he get them to gel? I think that he's the question for me, because I think their squad is a is a squad now where a better manager could get more out of them. Mm. But I'm you know I'm happy to be wrong on that because I do like Dean Smith. I like local lads managing teams. It's it's nice. It's I want them to do well. John Terry, no just doubt, not lurking st- in the shadows. Just not Steve Bruce. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> he's waiting. Like He made it very clear that he wants a manager's job. He stepped away from the assistant's job. Terry, you can just yeah. see if uh, Dean Smith, if it starts rockily for him, then John Terry will be straight on the mobile yeah. phone to the owners saying, yeah, how about it, lads? Um, so in terms of Southampton, we know James Ward-Prowse might be on the way out. Apparently, they're being linked with a move for Oxlade-Chamberlain, which would feel like a potential kind of like-for-like replacement there. Danny Ings has left already. The replacement they're looking at for Danny Ings, according to the papers, is Tammy Abraham, according to 442. So Aston Villa are interested in Tammy Abraham still, apparently. Arsenal, West Ham as well. But Southampton are looking to pay around 40 million quid for Abraham. 40 million quid, is that an appropriate amount, Niall, when Danny Ings has gone for 25-30? First of all, you could have just asked Marley the Southampton question and me the Aston Villa one, but that's fine. <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about the Portsmouth thing. Um, yeah. I don't know, really. 40 million for Tammy Abraham. I it's mean, his we, age, that, isn't it? 40 million. The extra 20 on Danny Ings is purely because he's six years younger. Yeah, whatever, I mean, yeah. I've said this so many times on the podcast, and 
nowadays with the way transfers are going, 40 million, you get a good player for 40 million. Mm. You get a very good player for 60. You know, it's not like it was even 10 years ago where 15, 20 million gets you a good player. I mean, you're looking at double that. And Jack Grealish now going for 100 million quid sets the precedent for British transfers now, the most expensive one of all time. Marley touched upon this a couple of weeks ago on Football Social Daily about how the Neymar deal basically just exploded the market, inflated the market. And now, you know, because he was sold for 220 million euro, every other transfer is exponentially more expensive than it would have been beforehand. So I certainly think that that is, is part of where it comes from. And as he says, the age as well factor that into, into the deal. I think the thing is with Tammy Abraham is it's a similar thing to what I said with about Axel Twanzebe. He's been on loan at Aston Villa and he scored go- goals there. He'll be familiar with the environment. He'll be comfortable with the environment. And although it's a move north rather than a move down to the south coast, in terms of who you'd rather play for right now, and this is me, you can take the Portsmouth hat completely off. For all the reasons that we've just mentioned, I'd rather be playing for Aston Villa. Aston Villa don't need Tammy Abraham now. Do they? Now they've got Danny Ings and they've got Ollie Watkins. Wesley. Is he still yeah, he, he's still improving. He's still he at record time. He's he started. Uh, well, I thought he started improving towards the end of last season, but I don't really know. At all. He might be on the bench for forever now, aren't they? But that, that's a, it's a great point. I mean, if they if they've got already got at Danny Ings, they don't need Tammy Abraham mm. as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent point. Um, I, I'd be fuming if I was Tammy Abraham with the like. He's better than Southampton. Southampton mm. may genuinely be in big trouble this season. They've sold all the goals. You have to replace him. This isn't FIFA. You can't go and just sign someone and pay his claws or pay his asking price because I don't think Tammy Abraham's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go fight relegation for a year. West Ham need a striker, Jim. Well, this West, is the interesting I think thing. West Ham's the best thing for him. If they're in Europe. Even if it's a loan for a year, you know, give yourself some some uh, like uh, insurance if, if West Ham flop massively, you know, which they mm. might do this year on, on two fronts with not many signings this summer, you know. I'd, I'd be... Just not going to Southampton. Or does he stay at Chelsea? Because Chelsea, if they bring Lukaku in, they've got three strikers. They've got Batshuayi, they've got uh, Tammy Abraham, they've got Lukaku, mm. and they've got Werner. So that's four strikers, actually. They're going to have to lose one. Now, would you rather keep Batshuayi or would you rather keep Tammy Abraham? I'd, I'd assume I mean, Batshuayi was leaving anyway. That's what at I thought. At some point. They just need to find a buyer from him. It's, it's, he's, interesting. He's his time it's interesting you mentioned West Ham, and it's interesting that West Ham are mentioned in this article as well as a potential destination alongside Arsenal, as I said, because this deal was rumoured to be Tammy Abraham to West Ham. He was like David Moyes' top target, and it got blown out of the water by Tammy Abraham's personal terms. He wanted too much money, similar to the Kurt Zuma transfer. They wanted too much money. Is this a situation where we've got these young fringe players who are playing at the likes of Chelsea? And this won't be just a Chelsea thing. It'll be a few clubs who are on large amounts of money that only top clubs can afford. But then if they fall out of favour at those clubs, do they have to lower their expectations in terms of their potential earnings in order to find that first team football, Marley? Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a balance, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the bottom Premier League clubs that haven't been relegated are still paying the top earners 80, 90 grand a week minimum. Mm. Like, I think Newcastle's top earners, I think it's Callum Wilson on 100 and summit, 90 or something, somewhere around there, I don't know. Probably loads of Sports Direct shite <laughs> threw in there as well. Lots of Sports Direct mugs in his front yeah. porch. He's got Slazenger <laughs> socks coming out, of his, uh, coming out of his wardrobes and all that. But, you know, everyone's paying a lot of money. Like, it comes back to the Neymar thing, you know, money's now just ridiculously daft so mm. i think as well like if you're going to take a step down you you need the most money from it mm. if you're if you're someone like abraham like i'm not saying he's greedy or whatever but southampton with their ambition and their talent are not going to attract him just to come to southampton and play he's going to be comp- want to be compensated for taking that step away from a club that's in europe and competing for titles and champions league winners to go to a team which is probably going to be in the, well, almost definitely going to be in the bottom half next year, you know, he's going to have to say, well, make make me want to play for you. And that's ultimately comes down to money because he's, he's sacrificing mm. ambition and titles for what? Mm. To play every week. He can, uh, play, he can yeah. play every week. He can play every two or three weeks at Chelsea. Be, have loads of trophies and winner's medals and what have you. Maybe not earn them as much as he might somewhere else, but 
you know, it's it's too much of a step down for me. So if someone's going to do that, they have to be compensated somewhere. And that is in the, in the pay packet, basically. Like, it was like what you said, though, Jim, about, you know, the difference between the top six wages and everyone else. I mean, if you, if you are someone like, let's say, Phil Jones at Man United, been injured and has still got... He's still on oh, well over 100 grand, isn't he? Still got years <laughs> left on <laughs> his deal. He hasn't played since 2019. Is anyone going to buy him with those wages that he's asking for? Probably no. not. You have to pay a fee and you have to take on the wages... And this is why players now are sitting on their contracts and getting accused of being lazy and being a mercenary. If someone's paying you hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, you know, it's, it's not always the player's fault. No. Which I think is... Particularly the player has in, been injured. Precisely. And I think that's an important thing to remember because if someone's offering you X amount a week for, for the next three years... I mean, some I know I know plenty of people that would sit on that. I would take 100 grand a week to sit on my <laughs> ass for the next three years. If anyone's listening and wants to make me that offer, that is absolutely fine. Let's finish with the good news, Marley. Yes. Because Newcastle look like they might be on the verge of signing a player. Joe Ooh. Willock, who was on loan with you last season, £20 million deal, which seems like peanuts. 25. Agreed. 25, is it? Yeah, 25. Agreed yeah. with Arsenal. Personal terms, still TBC. As we've discussed, that could become the sticking point. I mean, how important is it that Newcastle get this deal over the line? Oh, if As long as we sign someone whose name's not Jeff Hendrick, I'm a happy person, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, yeah, to be fair, I, I expected him to get more of a chance at Arsenal. Um, this this year, mm. I thought they'd keep him until at least Christmas, and then say if he's only played five games, you, you can have him for the for the last six months of the season. And I'd have, I'd have took that on, like, because I want I want him to do well. I want him to build on the potential. And sometimes that always isn't always at Newcastle because we're not as ambitious as anyone else, basically. Um, but I'm buzzing. He's come. He's coming back because. He he played for us and he could feel the love through social media, but he never got to play in front of the fans. Other than that. Uh, game against Sheffield United in the last game of the season where we won 1-0 thanks to him um, scoring the goal and I think it was like 10,000 fans there or something to to cheer him on. I think that's a huge thing for him to come and feel the the sort of hero status that he'll immediately get for what he did last season for us. Um, And we're getting a a 21-year-old midfielder for you know, 25 million quid, there'll probably be a clause in there somewhere, like a sell-on fee in, in future. He'll probably look to cash in on him if he, if he sort of shows, like sort of builds on his potential kind of thing. But um, yeah, for the short term, we we desperately need players. We desperately need him, to be fair, because his energy through midfield is fantastic, which is something we just haven't got because Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff and John Joe Shelby, all of them can't run. They're not, they can't carry the ball upfield. And we can't give it to St. Maximan every time. Um, so you need Willock to go box to box and, and make things happen and win the ball. He's pressing the best the best part of his game, I swear to God, is he's pressing. He'll win the ball back. He'll try and win the, he won't just like run up to a defender and, and shepherd him one way. He'll actually physically try and win the ball back off them. Mm. Which is different to a lot of players just are happy if you don't pass it past them. They're happy if you pass it sideways. But he's actually trying to win the ball back. Um, and he does it so often or he did do last season so hopefully he can come in and do that again grab a couple of goals support Wilson and St Maximan because when you get them in a in a, in the team together you've got three big threats there um, and Newcastle can win games through them three basically so I'm really happy he's coming back um, well he's not necessarily coming back that's what I was going to say are you confident that it's going to happen now because personal terms still need to be agreed yeah there's a big difference between a player going on loan and signing on a permanent deal and Newcastle I guess have to convince him in some way that they have some ambition and Newcastle well, there's, a, there's that- an ownership <laughs> case in court Jim yeah. there's an ownership case in court and I think that's part of it I think you know we talk about Mike Ashley not really caring as long as Newcastle stay in the Premier League if Newcastle didn't they will but mm. if they didn't mm. that deal from the Saudis, all of a sudden becomes unfavourable yeah. and probably doesn't happen. So actually, he's actually, by investing £25 million in Willock, a player that performed well for Newcastle last season, he's protecting his asset. He's yeah. protecting Newcastle United, and giving this, them a better chance yeah. of staying up. And this is what fans have been saying. You know, you want to make us more favourable, make us a better bloody team. Yeah. Just But £25 million is a lot of money for a man who's... Stingy. Him, who is him, yeah. He's, he's happy with 17th or 7th. It doesn't matter to him because... The difference in places is only a million quid, I think, per yeah. place. So, you know, why spend twenty million to to gain mm. four million? It's not. It's just crap business when you think about it. But yeah, um, 
I think personal terms shouldn't be an issue because he'll look he'll look after his future, like in terms of he he'll, we might sign him on a five or six year deal, which is our sort of policy of signing young players on longer term deals so we cash in eventually. Yeah. But it's never going to be hard to leave Newcastle if uh, in three years time there might we, be a buyback for Arsenal as well. Yeah, if we finish fifteenth, sixteenth, and thirteenth, I ca- even as a staunch hard Newcastle fan, I can't say to him, no, no, stay with us. We'll be good one day. Because you're wasting his career. Like at some point, if you say I want to leave, the club will say, "Okay, well, we'll get thirty million or forty mm-hmm. million for you," and that's that's where that's why this this deal's been signed. He's got potential, and he's almost proved it. And he was, he's only twenty five million, as you said before. Now it's it you know you get a good player for that if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, Arsenal sold Alex Awobi to Everton for thirty five million. <laughs> exactly, and that should be the basis of all future transfer fees. <laughs> Just, I'm still, I, I will fight to the death that I'm worth six million pounds on a five side pitch <laughs> if he's worth thirty. Like, you know what I mean? Well, it is all heating up. The season is heating up as well. The Premier League season kicks off Friday. Is it the first game? Was the thirteenth of August, Jim? Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Friday yeah. the thirteenth. So, so yeah. does the fantasy football league. Um, which I should mention on here. We've got we started a new one this year because somehow about a million Russians got into it. We've got no Russian listeners on this on the, <laughs> on this podcast. But the code is RBAK eighty seven, so RBAK eighty seven. Just search our social media for the links. Uh, get involved and try and beat us, which you probably will. I think I might have come top out of the internal league last season in the end. I think you did. Uh, out of us three, I think you did. Yeah. There you go. So come and take it on. Bring it on. Come and do that and the football season does kick off this weekend. Football Social Daily back to seven days a week from Saturday. So click subscribe so you never miss an episode and get the latest transfer news on your team at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.